From Tobacco Republic in Loomis, California, the Loomis Cigar Cartel presents Beyond the Humidor, a cigar podcast for the rest of us. Okay, take three. Hey, Scott Robinson with you here on Beyond the Humidor. Um, We've had some technical difficulties this morning, so this is the third time we're going to give this a shot. So... I'm sorry you guys have heard this joke before, but I'm sitting here accompanied by the opening act for Ron White and eh, Dollar Tree Lex Luthor over there. <laughs> Thank you. That's still funny. Yeah, I still appreciate the fact yeah. that you if laughed you, the if third you, time. If you would have, if you would have, if I would have been not lazy, I could have, you know, actually bicked my head, and then it would have been even better. <laughs> but anyway. <sighs> Way to make a joke unfunny. That's the second time today. Fun show coming up here. Yeah, it is. You heard it here first. Oh, and I got to mention, our camera monkey has been promoted to camera gorilla. We've got Larry's son, Anthony, over. How you doing? It's not as exciting the third time to introduce yourself. Like, yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Again. You know, at this point, it's just kind of like, fuck it. Yeah, let's go. There's our E rating. (laughs) Well, there, we knew, go, there goes the PG thirteen out I, the window. We already know when we're going to get an E we're rating the, after the first two takes. This we're is on true. The third attempt, we deserve an E rating at yeah. this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, Larry, what are you? Um, I know what you're drinking. You're drinking when I'm drinking. But what the hell are you smoking? I've got the uh, the Island Gym Number Two by Oscar. Uh, went to my one of my tried and true go tos, uh, Nicaraguan wrapper, uh, Honduran binder and filler, uh, torpedo at six and a half by fifty two. Just awesome smokes. I love uh, I love Oscar's products, so uh, I wanted something that I knew would be a good cigar for easy easy going for today. So that's what I All grabbed. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Greg, what are you smoking? So I'm smoking a Boulevard. It's something that you got from your um, your foray on cigar bid. Your first foray on cigar bid. It's a pretty good so far. Um, and yeah, I don't know much more about that. If you guys want to know more about this cigar, check out the previous episode because that's what Scott was smoking. Ooh, very nice. And Anthony, what are you smoking? I'm doing the Esteban Carrera 12-year Connecticut. Uh Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Ecuadorian Sumatra filler, Dominican I'm sorry, Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, Dominican filler. This was one that came in that little four pack they have, little four pack sampler that's in there in the humidor that actually he got me for Christmas smoked all four of them like the weekend after Christmas and went, those are really good and bought another four pack before new year's. Because oh, nice. I enjoyed them that much. So, and uh, before you get started real quick, cause I know you two are drinking scotch, but um, Zach with yard dog coffee, dude, your coffee has become my coffee of choice for not only the podcast, but my weekends. Well, there you go. Cool. Well, I am smoking the Padron um, Damaso. It is Nicaraguan with a Connecticut um, wrapper. And everybody knows how I feel about um, Nicaraguan. It's just fantastic. It's my go-to leaf. So anything with a um, Nicaraguan leaves in it is my go-to, and it doesn't disappoint. Real smooth, nice and silky. It's just a nice, pleasant, you know, kicking back, relaxing kind of smoke. He also pronounces it correctly most of the time. Yeah, unlike Honduran (laughs) and Criollo. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and, and fuck you again just for laughs. And there we are, folks. <laughs> just making sure we get that E rating properly. Mm-hmm. So, hey, let me bring our guests aboard. For the third time. <laughs> hey, you guys pull your pants back up. It's time to come on the show. <laughs> 
Hey, all right. So, well, with that introduction, I mean, there's nothing more I can say. Hey, I want to introduce our um, good friends from How About That Cigar, uh, Matt Ty and Garrett Robinson. Oh, God, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right, guys, are we on? <laughs> Not anymore. How you guys doing? Match your pants are up. I was just walking the the ferret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you that's what the kids Scott are calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't see whatever. Funny, I thought was. ferrets were bigger than that. <laughs> Well, you told us to pull our pants back up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh God! Hold on, we gotta Good give morning. Greg a minute. Breathe, man, breathe. <laughs> hey, real quick, are you guys gonna put this out on your on your stuff too? Oh, we're gonna share it out. Okay, Absolutely. yeah, because you know, I'm I who I'd be interested in, in hearing some of the feedback from your uh, your <laughs> listeners. Like, who in the hell are these jackasses <laughs> that these sons of bitches went on their show? Yeah. Well, even we could even, you know, if we get the download and everything, we could put it on our YouTube channel as well. I'll make sure that happens. Oh, God. You sure you want to do that, huh? <laughs> no, I'm not. No. You, might, you might want to reserve those remarks until the end of the program, sir. Yeah, but, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. You know, the reason why I love these guys is because they're about as fucked up as we are. I was a guest <laughs> on their show a couple of years ago. It was on a serious topic. And then, you know, we started, you know, talking ever so often and became friends. And they're out in um, Minneapolis and we're, we're here in California and they're as jacked up as we are so we're like hey this friendship could work i like this hell yeah so um (laughs) freaks unite absolutely amen (laughs) where'd y'all meet facebook (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen ron white everybody (laughs) i was thrown out of a bar in new york city no (laughs) We got to talk about Waffle House. That's yes, I was just about to bring up Waffle House. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> talk to me. Go ahead. Talk to me. <laughs> so, Matt, before the show, Matt was playing me this TikTok, and it is alternative names for the Waffle House. And I think we all fell apart for the most clever of names, which, Scott, do the honors. <laughs> Hash Brown versus Board of Education. Oh <laughs> I was mid scotch. I almost yeah. put scotch all over my laptop. Yeah, when I saw that on TikTok a few days ago, I I thought it was one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. Oh my time. gosh, so good. That's and brutal. To give credit where credit is due. It's uh, the it's it's some guys on a podcast called uh, the the What's It podcast. They were just sitting around talking about alternative names for Waffle House, and it's hilarious. Oh, Kenny dude, we got to talk about the, the other ones because right, Brown honor, versus honorable mentions, yes. honorable mentions, uh, Confederate Breakfast and Kenny Chesney, the food. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, Yellow Brick Load. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, this is all horrible. Oh, man, the hits just and, and the hits just kept on coming, man. What yeah, were the yeah. other ones, man? I just 
Oh, I don't. I, well, um, you, you know, there's someone driving right now. We're, we're offending people all across the Midwest. There's someone absolutely. driving right now, going from a, from going home from a Waffle House, going, "This some bitches yeah. ain't funny at all." Somewhere yeah, in rural West Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. That was what, West Virginia. Went to pick their mom slash sister up from the from their shift at the Waffle House. <laughs> Auntie Mama. Yeah. <laughs> What? Auntie, Auntie Mama. Mama. Auntie Mama. Oh, oh. what wow. you think he said? Aunt Jemima? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We're, See? We're, <laughs> these guys are as messed up as we are. We're, we're off the rails. Yes. On the express. Yeah. Oh. As I told Larry yesterday, I'm going to hell in gasoline soaked pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> love it oh god <laughs> oh man so uh we, we were, let's get into it a little bit um you guys started probably about six months before we did and i just want to know your origin story if you will how did how about that cigar come about um you, well I, i'll just say you know matt and i met about eight years ago um on this message board for cigars and around that time i was doing I was doing some consulting and uh, some videos for this cigar shop in the Twin Cities area. A um, little bit later, Matt started doing some reviews for another media company, and I'll let him finish up where kind of that that took place. But I knew that I I love doing reviews. I knew that I love cigars. I love the culture. And um, Matt, take it away. Well, after after um, writing reviews and articles and covering trade shows for a different cigar media company for a couple of years, um, I kind of had thoughts about doing a podcast and a show and combining that with a website and all that. And um, also was, you know, getting to the point at that time where I was, you know, approaching uh, 50 years old. And like, if I'm ever going to start my own thing, it's kind of now or never. So I said, okay, now it is. And I went to Garrett and said, Hey, do you want to do this? And he said, yeah, let's do it. So, um, got everything set up in, uh, the fall of 2018 and had some, had some failures to launch a mm -hmm. couple times and mm -hmm. learned some lessons. And, uh, the website went live on February 1st, 2019, and we did the first podcast, which was just audio recorded in a garden shed uh, next to my old old house. Um, and that was maybe April or May mm -hmm. of 2019. Uh, and then we started doing the video thing a few months after that. And I remember, so, you know, that, that garden shed, it didn't have any sheetrock or anything up. And that was one of the most like every week, uh, you know, we had a following that would troll us. And that was like the number one comment. When are you going to when are you going to sheetrock that? You know, <laughs> you guys should sheetrock that. But do you remember, Matt? Um, I don't remember what it was, but at one point, Carlito Fuente commented on one of our videos from like years yeah. years ago and we were like <gasps> Carlito Fuente and then we we're like shit it looks like such a shithole yeah you know but it was yeah that was that was one of those moments where 
our mind was kind of blown. And, you know, we were fortunate because I had some relationships already built from my previous media experience. And I was able to reach out to people and get guests for the show. Um, and it just sort of steadily grew. We've, we've really just tried to get good guests on the show to tell their stories. And that's really what it's about for us is, is, uh, to have the people in the industry tell us about more than just their cigars, but tell us about their families and their, their interests and, um, and that kind of thing. And it's steadily grown and we're super grateful for every bit of it. Yep. You know, it's really cool, um, you know, hearing from another cigar podcast, because I think back, um, shit, just today, just the foibles you go through trying to run a podcast and a show, our very first show, and some of our loyal listeners know this, we've talked about this, our very first show, we had everything set up, and we were running it at the time with how many people? I think it was like six, six people, and we had one person remote. Um, and it was a great show. Unfortunately, our producer, also known as Gilligan, didn't hit the record button. Or no, no, oh. it didn't. Re- it did not record. I hit the record button. For some reason, the road was not dumping it to the media. It was dumping it to a laptop, which didn't record that either. Oh, yeah, we feel your pain. We feel we, it we've been there so much. <laughs> we've been there. We just looked at each other. Be careful with the Gilligan comment, Russian standard. Hey, that's okay. I can always sober up. You'll still be Gilligan. Shots fired. So, hey, guys, I got to ask you, man. Um, You didn't do that whole garden shed thing through the winter up there, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, holy shit, man. Yeah, with with nothing but a little space heater that was, you know, you know, just like a little 12 inch space heater and no ventilation, no ventilation either. So nice. every ventilation was opening the door. That was every the so often we would open the door, let in the 20 <laughs> minus, you know, minus 20 degree weather for <clears throat> a few seconds, close the door, wait a few minutes for it to warm back up. Well, and it wasn't, it wasn't that long because my wife and I moved into this house. So we're, we're in the garage of, of my new ish house. My wife and I moved in here right after the place was built in July of 2019. So we only did a few months worth of episodes in the garden shed at the old house. Jesus <laughs> Christ, see, man. We are under construction right now. So tomorrow uh, we're actually getting together with the, the crew, our engineer, Justin, uh, who has been an unbelievable addition to our crew and we're very grateful for three of us are going to um, get a little Tim, the tool man, Taylor over here yeah. and uh, throw some cool stuff on the wall. So for your viewers and listeners that want to check us out, how about that cigar? We'll have a new studio this next Monday, a new look. Oh, that's man. fantastic. Awesome. awesome. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, new, any, uh, uh, any antlers, deer head, anything like that? It's possible. We're going to make it modular. Well, we're thinking about getting that um, that thing uh, for Gile from <laughs> Gile, the, the leg, leg. Yes. Yeah. leg lamp. Yes. Uh, knew exactly what pickle. you were talking about when you said that. 
or we might hang a picture of a uh, pickled chocolate starfish. Yeah, I think so. Nice. <laughs> I think that'll make another one. Ah, the classics. Well, since we're on the vein of movies, I want to just shift gears for a second here. I'm going to just give like a mini rant about this. And just a mini rant, not a huge one. But the Oscars are tomorrow. And I definitely positively will not be watching them. Wait, you normally do watch them? You know what? The last one I saw was when Seth MacFarlane was host. And he was actually funny, but he'll never be invited back again. But my question of the week was, you were inviting Seth MacFarlane. Have you seen any of his work? What the hell did you think he was going to do? Did you think he was going to break out the Shakespearean theater? I'm like, what the hell? I mean, it was actually an entertaining um, Oscars, actually. And I saw the one for um, Bond's 50th. Scott's boycotting it because it's not on BET. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you just want to get on my shit list this morning? You were all right. You were doing just fine. Oh, you were doing fine. Oh, Love you, man. You establish trust and respect, and then you go into this ham-handed segue into an well, insult. Going into this what? Ham-handed? That will not do, Clarice. <laughs> ham-handed. All right. Silence of the that. Lambs, 1991 Best Picture. I got to write that down. Oh, God. Hey, did you forget your hood this morning? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> The cleaners. <laughs> Best cross burnings this side off. of Placer County. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I won't be sharing this episode with my friends. Right. To know. Hey, that's our goal right there is to make the camera gorilla nervous. <laughs> oh, well, God. no. Back to what I was saying after I was so rudely, rudely interrupted. interrupted. Uh, One of the reasons is the whole idea of the host. I mean, they've had this. I think this is the first time in how many years they actually had a host. They're going to have Kevin Hart on there, but he said something bad in 2013. You know, a comedian saying something bad. Oh my God, we can't have this now, can we? Isn't Reba McIntyre the host this year? Oh God, no, 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 no. It's three. No. It's three people. Um, Wanda Sykes, um, Regina. I think I can't remember her name, but the one worst of all, Amy Schumer. <laughs> You want to talk about a comedian that's unfunny? That woman's just not funny. A couple of her movies, amusing. But she is just very, very unfunny. And from what I hear, a joke stealer to boot. But I just can't do it. Which is sad because this year is the 50th anniversary of one of the greatest movies, one of the 100 movies you're supposed to watch before you die, Greg, The Godfather. And this is where... Greg just kind of drifts off and shit because he has no clue what we're talking about. <laughs> Wait, what? You are I haven't I haven't seen it. Anglophile. It didn't have English people in it, so he has no interest. So I I didn't know Greg didn't see this movie, and I was kind of like, oh, I'm excited. The podcast is going to be about a movie I like because I'm an old soul. And when I tell my friends, oh, you should watch The Godfather, they're like, what? And I'm like, I can't hang out with you anymore. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to throw Greg under the bus. So I messaged Greg because I'm excited. Like, oh, I got this cool thing I can bring for. I don't know. Show, show it to the camera. The camera oh, can the see camera, it. The camera won't see it from back here. So Yes, it will because I'm zoomed in on your smiling oh, face. Let me just make all the noise possible on this audio format podcast. That's all right. So I don't know if you're going to be able to see this clearly. Oh, it is the. Oh. Uh, I got this off like one of those 
art house things you see, like the movie memorabilia crap you see ads for on Facebook. And I'm like, I need that for my kitchen. Hell for those yeah. of you who can't quite see on the camera, it is the Jenko Pura olive oil logo from our family to yours from uh, made in Corleone, Sicily. That is awesome. So I send Greg a picture of this. And like, would you like me to bring this for a prop photo opportunity for the podcast? And he just sends back question marks. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't see what it looks like. On so then tell him what my response so, was. So I, I, I go, OK, maybe he just doesn't remember that detail from the film. So I say, do you know what the, the family's cover business is? And he's like, nope. So I message Scott and go. Scott, I need you to tell me if I'm too big of a nerd or if Greg's just dumb. Because, like, again, I was, I assumed Greg had seen I the vote movie. for the latter. So do all of us did. We're not going to sugarcoat that. So I, send, I said, I'm going to send you this picture with no context. Do you understand why I'm bringing it Saturday? And I sent him this, and he's like, oh, hell yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm not, like, way off the deep end or something, so... You yeah. are, but it's all right. Okay, let me totally nerd out for a second here. Just say you know the answer to this. I'm going to give this to our guest. What was Vito Corleone's actual last name? Andalini. Nice. Okay, bonus question. Wikipedia knowledge, I love it. What was the name of his wife? Do you know it? Oh, man. Constanzia is the daughter. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt don't. her name's Mama, is it? No. Well, they it. call her Mama Corleone. Right. Yeah, I don't. Nope. If I didn't know any better, I think the Sopranos made a nod to the Godfather. Her name was Carmela. Huh. Oh, that's got to be a nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think. Yes. I'm thinking so. Absolutely. Wow. That's got to be a nod to her. Because the Godfather takes place, you know, 45 to 50 something, right? 1945 to 1954. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's an old name. Mm -hmm. And even in, you know, American Italians, who's heard of a Carmela? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, You're pulling out the family history. If you're naming your daughter Carmela at this time, hundred percent. That's very cool. Okay, let's nerd out again here. Okay, the olive oil company, Genco, who was it named after? Uh, his friend and eventual... Uh, I was leaving that for our guest, but I'm good so, job You looked there. at me when I started talking. I was like, I guess I'm continuing. No, you are not. <laughs> you, you turned your head to me. I'm like, oh, cool, attention's <laughs> on me. I'll shut up now. All right. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You... I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have right, known no. the answer. Me neither. You're up, man. Okay, you're up. It's his... <laughs> The family that boards him, he makes friends with their son. It ends up being his consigliere, Janko Abandando. Very good. Because Vito is humble, of all things, and doesn't want to name the company after him. Yeah. I just finished listening to this audiobook again, like a week ago, and then they're like, you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, but of course. (laughs) (laughs) But of course. But of course. Poupon. Great Poupon. Great Poupon. So um, I'll just say, you know, one of the things I like about The Godfather, and this is why I continue to encourage Greg to watch it eventually, but I guess he's going to listen to the audio book, which is just as well. I love the subtlety of Vito Corleone. He was very, very humble, very, very subtle. It's like he didn't come out and say, I'm going to kill you. Perfect instance was 
um, there was a deleted scene in The Godfather, and it's in the book where um, the Frank Sinatra um, type, um, what the hell was his, his godson? Yeah, his godson, Johnny Fontaine. Johnny Fontaine, Johnny Fontaine. Yeah. who was kind of modeled after Frank Sinatra, and kind I would of. suspect. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But when he went to um, Vito on Connie's wedding day and asked for a favor to be in a movie, I just took a wild guess for the movie that he was speaking of if it were real life. And I'm thinking it would have been from here to eternity. Yeah. When he said that, yeah, the part's made just for me. I don't even have to act. And Frank Sinatra really didn't act in From Here to Eternity. He did just fine because all he did was just sing and, you know, yeah, just be Frank. And, you know, Vito sends Tom, his consul, his new consigliere, over to Hollywood to talk to the director and tell him, hey, you know, put Johnny in this movie. And, of course, we all know who's seen the movie. You know, the guy talks a lot of shit, virtually throws Tom out of his house. And Tom just calmly says, thank you for a wonderful dinner. If you don't yeah. mind, could you get me to the airport? Um, Mr. Corleone is a man who wants to hear bad news immediately. Now, before that, before he left, he was talking to Vito, and Vito asked Tom, is he Sicilian? Is he a Sicilian? And people would think he was asking about his nationality, but what Vito was actually saying, would he die basically on principle for something that he wants or doesn't want? And obviously he wasn't because, of course, Jack Waltz wound up with a horse's head in his bed. (laughs) Just very, very subtle. (laughs) That's super subtle. And and I like, like, and again, you don't get this in the the movie. Highly recommend you read the book if you have an audience. I haven't. Or at least listen to it. Um, You get the follow-up of Jack Waltz realizing all all the power I've I've accrued in my life, all my connections – are meaningless to this man and he will mm. kill me over this. Oh shit. <laughs> like that it's a really it uh the book is fantastic. Yeah, but one of the one of the things about The Godfather and I think this was the start of the modern gangster movie is it made the public empathize with mobsters. These weren't really nice people if you really want to be honest. They weren't the Red Cross, <laughs> but they had you rooting for them if you will. Something else that was in a deleted scene from The Godfather about Jack Waltz, the director, he was a pedophile. Because when Tom was leaving, he saw this 12-year-old girl he saw at the studio, you know, in a you know, kind of half dressed and her mother shooing her back into the bedroom. Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Jack Waltz wow. liked them young. So it made you instantly despise him. It wasn't like, oh, this poor guy is getting shaken down. It's like this piece of shit. You know, he got what was coming to him. And you see a lot of that in the modern, in a lot of the modern gangster movies. That's true. It's either mob on mob, but it's never just your average, you know, hardworking person who's getting shaken down unless they want to make the mob figure look like a really bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this was the start of all, you know, all the modern movies, you know, Casino, Goodfellas. Um, well, and see. I Sopranos. There's a really good at the end of. They just updated for the 50th anniversary the version of the audiobook I have, and the uh, they have a an aside or a comment by, and I'm gonna forget the professor's name, but he's essentially an American cultures professor, and he talks about how if you think when The Godfather came out, right it it was written in '69 and 
came out in 70, I guess 72, if it's the 50th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. That was the end of the Western and the, oh, the good guys are the good guys and Justin Law. And then you have the counterculture movement. So the rooting for the bad guys that are kind of going against the societal norms was that's kind of why the, the beginning of that movie yeah. took off. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, we can, we can root for the underdogs, the bad guys. Cause they're, they're fighting for what they think is right. So I, I it's a really good little five minute thing that they put at the end of the audiobook. Yeah. I like that. And you know, another movie that does that kind of Scarface mm-hmm. as brutal as it was, it had you rooting for Tony Montana. You loved 100%. it in, you know, at the, at the, um, I would guess say the middle of it where Tony takes um, Frank's woman and he's standing looking at the Goodyear blimp and then it instantly clicks off to him doing really, really well. And you're like rooting for him. Like, yeah, this is great. You forget that he killed a marching band to get there, but Hey, yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the Godfather really was the first big, big production that celebrated the anti-hero yes yeah you know that where you you root for somebody but then you you find yourself being reminded oh wait this guy's you know this uh, this guy's a, a ruthless gangster and yeah, th- this guy's really yourself. a piece of shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but they put those sympathetic elements in and they did the same thing in goodfellas they did the same thing in uh in Sopranos, the same thing in Breaking Bad, and yeah. it's been multiple. And that Godfather really was the first production that celebrated the anti-hero. And legally they did blonde, they legally blonde. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> nice segue. If you had told me I would have heard the words Godfather and legally blonde in the same sentence today, mm-hmm. I would have called you an asshole. But I was not. <laughs> you should. Wow. You, you should. should. You definitely should. Oh wow! <laughs> and My not kid. not to be left out here. You know the the closest thing at this point to a mob movie that I've seen is the Untouchables. Oh, I just, the cartoon version with Mickey Mouse and Porky Pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, Mickey Mouse is Elliot Ness. Yeah. Yes, and Scrooge is is. Um, uh, what the hell's his name anyway? This Capone. Is, this December on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saving that, Anthony. By the way, I was about to make another that's unfunny what, comment, but what, hey, that's what Camera Gorilla's here for. Yes, you you have truly earned your title as Camera Gorilla. We're gonna get you a Ben Davis shirt that so, says that Camera Gorilla. Uh-huh. What? This is why we keep this guy around. He's a goddamn genius. <laughs> that needs to happen, man. Right. That, that truly hey, needs hey, to happen. Hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you seen what a Ben Davis shirt costs? I mean, there's a budget to this fucking operation here. I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, no, no. no. Let, let's think on this. Hold on. We're, we're we're strategizing right now. All you do is just. I'm talking. Let's just listen. <laughs> that was our strategy music. Go ahead. <laughs> nah, just go on the internet. Take the Ben Davis logo, alter it a little bit, and then you put under it, you know, you put where Ben Davis is, you put camera gorilla. 
And you can put a cam. You can even give you know the gorilla a camera. Or put there, a camera there, next there we to him, dude. You well, get let, you get. Let's the steal the Ben Davis logo and uh, and plagiarize it and jeopardize my business. That sounds like a bitching idea. You get well, pissed off. Like you get pissed off. It. You get pissed off about someone stealing our logo, and now you want to steal a famous logo. I'm not trying to sell it. I'm you know it's just like a you know it'll go like one well, but I, go you know, in I my mean, bedroom and then one you know give him a shirt. I think that you know. Speaking of stuff like this, I think we need to send uh, the boys something for their uh, for their remodeled studio. Oh yeah, that's gonna happen. I yeah, think, I think we should send them a smaller version of the uh, of the Christmas signs that I've been doing the last few years. I think you're right. So, you guys are in for a treat. Oh boy! I'm so scared. You should be. You shouldn't tell them. Just send it to them. Really? I think so. Really. I think so. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna need a. We're, you know, off off camera, we're gonna need a mailing address. I'm gonna oh, shoot I'm you so guys scared. some stuff. Sixteen hundred Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> you know, he might just put it on the on the White House lawn. Honestly, yeah. at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he opened up and go, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So Christ. as as the youngest person in the room, I I have an interesting take on seeing the Godfather movie for the first time, which I don't know when I first saw it or it was on because my mom will just put movies on while she's cleaning, cooking, whatever. And I'm no stranger to, you know, exactly by that smile. I think you know exactly where this is going. I, I'm no stranger to like adult movies playing. Not, Whoa. <laughs> Do we need to have a talk? Hang on, let me. Wrong. Adult, adult as in. Too late. You fucked it off. (laughs) Movies that weren't for a 10 year old, but were for mature, grown up people to understand. You're still not helping. You're digging the hole (laughs) deeper. Ron Jeremy, we get it. Okay. (laughs) But I I distinctly remember the first time I'd actually sat down and tried to follow what was going on in The Godfather. And honestly, I probably would have not been paying attention enough at 12 years old or whatever to care. But there's a scene in The Godfather that. How do I word this? When Michael gets married in Sicily. <laughs> yes. And the funny part of this story is I honestly, at 12 years old, I would have been looking at my phone or doing my homework, whatever I was doing while the movie was on in the background, because I didn't know this was coming. But my mother sprinting across the house to dive in front of the TV is what drew my attention initially. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. I can see Sherry. And she... <laughs> If she hadn't done anything, I wouldn't have noticed. There was no dialogue in the scene. It, it wouldn't have made me turn my head. But her sprinting, and I turn around and go, oh, that's a boob. All right. <laughs> so that I'm like, huh. All right. Okay, wait, cool. wait, stop. I'm, I'm stopping the train right stop, now. Ask questions. Please. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Ask a lot of questions. One, the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> Hang on. Two, no, hold on now. You're looking at me or him. I'm looking at the both of you. What you do to him and what the fuck is wrong with you? Understand and see his, this, is, his, this is his parents drink. Now you know what this is. This is a difference of the generations. Us who grew up in Gen X, early Gen X, not you. Um, Thank you. Remember um, when there was only like you know three channels? If you're lucky, there were five, and then you mm-hmm. paid for everything else. You were trying to watch Cinemax at 1.30 in the morning and all you got was those colored bars yes. and shit across it. And about every 40 seconds, you could see like the outline of a nipple. I got one better on TV. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. One of the first subscriptions. Do you guys know what on TV is? 
like mm. 1978, there are people walking around, and this was literal satellite shit. It's like they would, you know, hook you up, and it was called On TV. It came on for about five hours a night, if that. And they had some adult entertainment. And of course, it was, you know, the porn was scrambled, but it, we're talking like, you know, B minus porn, like, you know, Skinamax. But of course, you <laughs> sat there and tried to watch it with the big colored bar. <laughs> yeah. And we were and we were grateful. You have a clear <laughs> boob in front of you. And what are you doing? Looking at your phone. I wasn't looking at my phone. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Well, you weren't well, looking at the I boob, was, apparently. I was in the, uh, the living room with my family. What was I supposed to go? Ah! Like, what, what do you want me to do in that That, that would have made get two the, of us. Get the fuck out of the way, Mom. Like, what do you want me to do? Oh, that'd go over real well with Sherry. No, I wouldn't be here now. I brought you into this world, child. Uh, I can I'll take end you. you out. Yep. <laughs> no, Make another one look just well, like my, you. Yeah. <laughs> you clearly haven't met the other Saddest two. Saddest day in my life is when I saw a picture of my dad at my age and went, yeah, I'm not adopted. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. They, these, guys, these kids don't realize today, man, the struggle is real. I mean, they can get anything they want in 11 seconds downloaded on our phone. When I was in junior high, High school, even into the beginning of high school, if you had that one friend, and he didn't even have to be a friend, he could be that fucking prick on the outskirts of your friend group. But if his dad had a subscription to Playboy, he was the greatest motherfucker in the world. You'd be like, "Come on in, Charlie, you hang with us." That was it. That was the best you could hope for. It, you know, in, in 1980. Yeah. So your parents aren't home, huh? <laughs> Let's go to your house. In my, and do you remember? <clears throat> those uh those old Playboy magazines and Hot Rod, they would come with samples of Skull Chew. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the? F- <laughs> yeah, little little plastic bags. <laughs> they come with samples of uh, the Skull Bandits. Little. Yep. Oh yeah. Bandits. Wow. Why am I not surprised that you know that? <laughs> <laughs> fuck's that supposed to mean <laughs> well just like i'm sure jet magazine wasn't showing up at your house every week <laughs> you got a point i'm not exempt yeah 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 but jet didn't have skull did it now nah, i had beauty of the week you had soul glow <laughs> soul glow soul glow Oh Sex God! And, and, and yeah, he says that because before before I got onto cigars, I chew. I was a th- three bag every two days leaf tobacco chewer. Oh, Levi Beach Garrett? Man? No, Beach, Le- Levi, oh, Garrett. Levi Garrett. Levi Garrett. Because I worked graveyard, and you know, I mean, that was what that was. I got up at ten thirty at night, ate something, grabbed my lunchbox, get my truck. I worked seven. I lived seven minutes from where I worked. I'd start my truck up. I'd put in a wad of tobacco and I chewed tobacco all night into the morning because I would have the kids in the morning until she got off work. And, uh, about an hour before she'd get home, I'd take the tobacco out, brush my teeth and, you know, we're good to go. One night, one day, and I worked two jobs one day. Um, uh, I just got home in the afternoon. I'm getting ready to lay down cause I got to be back to work in about five and a half hours. And she comes storming into the bedroom. You need to get up. You need to get up right now. I'm like, oh, shit. So I go out, and this one that's sitting over here was probably about four years old. Oh, shit. And we had four and a half, maybe. And we had a big, uh, like, garden window uh, uh, 
off the kitchen sink, and you could see out onto the patio in the backyard. And she goes, you look out there. Look out there. I'm looking, and he's running around doing his thing. I'm like, what? She goes, you just watch. I'm like, okay. About then, I see him. He's got one of them little paper Dixie cups from his bathroom, and he had a wad of bubble gum in his mouth, and he <laughs> spits into that Dixie cup, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> she looks at me, and she goes, that shit stops today. I'm all, uh, wow. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. And, and then he started smoking cigars, and I didn't pick up that habit at all. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. But oh no, man, it was uh it was brutal. Um Were you a spitter? Huh? No. Were you a spitter? No, not really. Yeah. Um he I swallowed. Mean, <laughs> but uh well, yeah, he's a he's a lady. What? Whoa! <laughs> Hey, hey, fuck both you guys, all right? Shots fired. That just upped what you're getting in the mail, by the way. Uh, but no, I mean, it's it's like anything else. You get to, I remember the first time I I did leaf tobacco. I was in high school. It was because of wrestling. You know, you chewed yeah. tobacco and spit for water weight. How fucking stupid was that, right? Right. And, oh, God, I got so freaking sick. Red man. Yes. Oh, oh, oh God. Redman was the only one I ever tried. And I was oh, really? I was probably 13 and over at a buddy's house and um, just throwing around football in the backyard. And he pulls this pouch of Redman out of his back pocket. And I take like this tiniest little amount and I put it put it back there between my teeth and my and my cheek. And it was all of five minutes. And I ralphed all over the grass, wow. and I've oh, yeah. never touched Ooh. that stuff since. No, well, we and I, and how stupid is that? I mean, we teach ourselves, you know, oh, this is going to get better. Like, what are you fucking <laughs> right. ridiculous? We're the only species of animal on the planet that does that. Yep. <laughs> you know, oh, this tastes like a bag of ass. Maybe I'll try more <laughs> the next time, and it'll be better. What the fuck? I mean, I'm really? Learn to like it. But yeah. yeah, that's how it evolves. I mean, yeah, sick is a dog the first yep. two or three times. And then yep. by the time I'm in my, you know, mid to late twenties, I'm chewing three bags every two days. And I oh. spit like twice when I first put it in at the beginning of the night and I'm oh. adding tobacco, you know, I don't even change it. You know, you, you know, you're chewing, you know, I'm getting a, the, the wad in my cheeks, getting a little small, better pack some more in there. So it looks like a fucking doorknob, you know? And so you throw some more in and it just motor right on through the night. Jesus. Well, so, and things were different in the, like in the eighties, things were different. And we had, I, and I went to high school at this tiny little, you know, high school in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And, um, you know, you got guys with tins of Kodiak in their back pocket mm -hmm all throughout the school day we actually smoked so i was a cigarette smoker back then and we actually smoked in the car during driver's ed <laughs> and we had a smoking the, section at my school. high school at the school yeah. Oh, yeah. wow um my so i i loved beach nut um and i was a, a beach nut chewer starting in junior high. And then I remember in high school, a friend of mine was like, Hey, you should try Kodiak. And I was like, all right, I've been chewing for, you know, a year or so and put in a big wad of Kodiak. 
Oh, balls. You know, that's got the fiberglass. Yeah, that stuff's gnarly. And it's like nicotine injection into you. I never could get into any of that. um, Skull, Copenhagen. No. um, Any of that. that it, It was just too gritty. It was just, you know. And the thing, and I, it wasn't even the taste. I mean, I could, I could put up with skull or Copenhagen, you know, as far as the taste, what I didn't like is how fine and how I, I felt like I was, I felt, you know, I felt like that llama <laughs> drinking out of the trough the whole time because the shit wow. never stayed put. It wasn't like leaf tobacco. You throw it in there. It's, you know, you got, you got a brick in there. It's fine. Right. That shit was in in a minute and a half, it was all over your mouth. It's on the roof of your mouth. It's on your tongue. It's like, ah, blah, blah, get the shit out of here. Couldn't do it. And then the yeah. pouches, they can't. And that's why the pouches came out. I'm convinced is, you know, they made the little skull bandit. Oh, it's like, it's like asshole light. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is, this is for people that are not queer enough for skull. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? Really? This little band, ooh, let's let's throw this little uh, a tea bag of fucking tobacco. What the fuck? Whose idea little, was yeah. that? They were basically little tea bags. Yeah, yeah the dumbest shit ever. So, yeah. <sighs> white people. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> I got nothing for this. <laughs> uh, you, you didn't chew any tobacco? Uh, hell no. The only thing I've ever done was start smoking cigars. That was it. Nerd. No. <laughs> and why is I'm that? Because here. is that because you you watched a documentary on Winston Churchill? <laughs> in case, I'm there waiting for the answer. In case you didn't know it, don't Greg don't, is don't a be- resident Anglophile. So anything English. See, if the Godfather had English um, folks in it. He'd have been all over it. He'd have watched it about 12 times. It had been like him getting um, all aroused from watching Upstairs, Downstairs when he was 12. Never watched that one. <laughs> Isn't that the first one you saw was Upstairs, Downstairs? Are you being served? Oh, well, yeah. I know about that one, but I thought you saw Upstairs, Downstairs. No. Okay. It must have been some other English. That, Poir- that Poirot, Inspector Morse, um, Downton Abbey. What's that? Basil Fawlty. Yeah. Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. Um, Monty Python. You know, that's that's where where even though they say I'm an Anglophile, I never really found Monty Python all that funny. That's too lowbrow for him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the only, you know, my brother got me into watching um um crap. What is that one he's in with the Black Knight? The Holy Grail. Oh, thank you. He had me watch the Holy Grail. He goes, you're going to love this, Greg. I'm like, okay. Black Knight sequence laughed my ass off. Rest of the movie, no. But, uh, yeah. You did not like Monty Python. I did not. Now, I told you. Too Bruce, lowbrow for Bruce, it. No. Bruce, piss boy? Now, Bruce Campbell, <laughs> hilarious. No, Piss Boy was History of the World. That was History oh, of the, the World. That's Mel Brooks. All right. yeah. Those my were bad. funny too. My bad. I love my people. Paul. <laughs> Blast of one out of the fucking sky. It's amazing. We have found a way. Great to be king. <laughs> if we went back to shit like that, we'd have less problems. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like um 
Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. The, Blazing I saw saddles, yeah. I saw that movie for the first time, gents, about three years ago, and I'm like, holy oh. shit, this is both hilarious and scary at the same time. You cannot produce a movie like this now. Hey, did I yeah. uh, did I share that meme, the Blazing Saddles meme, to all of you guys, or just Scott and Greg? Not me. Okay. Yeah, but, you know instantly if it, <laughs> should, should I describe it or should I just please do just send it. Uh, yeah, the, the the meme is uh, the the black guy from Blazing Saddles holding the gun on himself, and it's Jesse Smollett describing the attack. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, there's nobody can be offended by me making that statement now. The man was convicted of faking a freaking racial attack, for Christ's sake. Oh, my gosh. I'll find it. I only got about 17,000 memes saved on my phone. Right. I had to actually go out and de- go and delete some pictures off my phone because yep. I couldn't save anything on my phone anymore. <laughs> that's why I do my meme dump. I dump them on facebook and then i can delete them from my phone jesus yeah Isn't i gotta anybody do something. gonna help that poor man <laughs> <laughs> i helped him right I into a prison cell hey do you notice hey this, this is how this is how <laughs> hypocritical we are as a society <sighs> nobody who jumped up waving you know oh god this is really racist and he was attacked you don't see none of those fucking people going oh, oh you know god that was wrong what he did they're just keeping their mouth shut and their head down no the problem is some of them aren't keeping their mouth shut there's a few of them sat there and said it reminds me of emmett till i looked and said i will i'll spit my scotch out and said what the fuck yeah <laughs> the whole attack didn't make sense it's like so two racist white guys looked at you at Three o'clock when you were getting a sandwich in Chicago at 19 degrees and said, and I quote, you're that faggot from that show Empire. Now I have questions. If you're a racist and you don't like homosexuals, why are you you watching watching Empire? Empire? (laughs) Yeah. And then. The bit that Dave Chappelle did. Oh, yeah. Dave Chappelle's bit is the funniest thing on. He spelled spelled it out perfectly. Yeah. I mean, every, every word he said about that in in that in that routine was spot on well and that's one of the things dave Chappelle is one of the few people we have in that medium nowadays that can do something that can say something like that because he's he's reached an a level that how do you blackball dave Chappelle? they tried they tried they They, did but but he but he he doesn't care anymore Right. He's like, I'm, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And that's well, a- you're talking about a man who walked away from what was it? $50 million? Yeah. He walked away. From, he literally walked away from $50 million. They yeah. said, hey, we want to pay you for the second season of the Chappelle show. Here's $50 million. And he's like, eh, fuck that. <laughs> well, yeah. and it's um, who did they have on? Um, Kid Rock was on somebody's podcast here in the last, just the last few days. Yeah. And basically said that he's he's un um, uncancelable, and the guy kind of went, well, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I can do whatever I want to do for for the rest of my life financially. I don't have." I'm not, he goes, "I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm not sponsored by a big corporation. I'm not, you know, 
I don't have to censor what I say right. for He's the, got his for own the studio, yeah, for the people own, that are writing yeah. me a check because I write me a check and I'm like, yeah. and you know, and Joe Rogan is probably that way to a certain yeah. extent. They've tried yes. to, they've tried to, you know, uh, censor blackball cut Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan gives zero fucks, you know, Hey, well, whatever, you know, whatever his opinion is, is going to be his opinion. You don't, you don't like it. Don't listen. Well, the really sad part is you've got a lot of comedians now who will not do college campuses anymore. Oh yeah. Fuck. I, will. I mean, even Jerry yeah. Seinfeld said, fuck it. He's like, no, nah, cause everybody is just all squishy. And it's like, yeah. you say, you know, the wrong thing about the wrong person. And it's like, oh my God, that's offensive. It's like, I'm going to a comedy show to freaking laugh. Right. You know? Yeah. And you know, for me, I love cringe humor. The more offensive, the better. And I don't care yeah. who it's about. I think it's time to bring Andrew Dice Clay back for another round. We need okay. some, we need something more than Andrew Dice Clay. That's a good start, but I'm trying to think of I mean, bring out a Ouija board and bring out bring back Lenny Bruce. <laughs> and Richard yeah. Pryor. There was a great uh um documentary on was it Netflix that I watched it on just last week about um about humor and about Lenny Bruce and how things get um, about how he got canceled basically back in the day. And, and yeah, even he, he even got put in jail. Yeah. Several for, times for uh, offensive lewd. language. Yeah. Lewd. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Public. Um, I forget what they called it. And this was in New York. He, um, you know, went public to jail. Obscenity. Yeah. And, and I mean, true uh, obvious violations of first amendment rights um and you know fortunately today you're not going to see you know, a comedian put in jail but you will see a comedian uh un unfortunately uh maybe lose their livelihood because if they can't get if they can't get a show on netflix because they're culturally they're, canceled. they're culturally culturally right, yeah. canceled you know yeah, even when you're doing shows in small venues, I mean, one of the guys I felt sorry for was Michael Richards. When yeah. and this was like years ago, probably 10, 10 years or, 10, or so. 12 years ago, yeah. Yeah, 10, 12 years ago, where he basically, you know, people said that he you know, he went on this racist rant and just went off. But I and people got mad at me when I said this. I said I kind of empathize with him. Not for what he said, but I understand where it's coming from. He was obviously bombing on stage. The heckler was getting the better of him. So he just dug into his bag of tricks for anything that he, and he would just basically, I just saw, you know, people saw a racist. I saw a guy who was just dying on stage. Yeah. He was just losing it. I mean, it's like, you've lost the audience. No one's laughing um, with you anymore. They're laughing at you or just, you aren't shit. And he just lost it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And because somebody had a camera. Yeah. And if and and that was, you know, early in the social media days where it started spreading all over the internet and next thing you know, he can't get you know, he can't get a job as an extra on a on a, a B movie. Yeah, but you know who brought him back? Um on Curb Your Enthusiasm, they had yeah. an episode where Michael Richards was on there. And he kind of made a joke about what happened to him. And he's yelling at J.B. Smoove, one, another one of my favorite comedians. And he's telling him, he says, if there was a word I could say to you that would totally <laughs> insult you. And, you know, he says it without saying it. He, he's just like, just melted down. <laughs> and it was, yeah. You know, the delivery of it was just entirely funny. 
But yeah. the problem is, is that, you know, you're going to have a generation of comedians who are afraid to tell a joke or try a joke. You know, inoffensive humor, I mean, it has its place. I know and this may not be a, a fitting one. Bill Cosby, for instance, back in the day when he was doing shows, his big thing always was, hey, I want it to be a show that you could bring your kids to. And there's a genre for that. And that's perfectly fine. But, you know, after 10 o'clock after dark, I was on a cruise once and the comedian does, you know, two shows, one the G-rated one around seven o'clock. And then we went to the 11 o'clock one. And he even said at the seven o'clock at the end of it, he says, I'm going to do a second show. Um, don't bring your fucking kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to. Yeah. And then at the 11 o'clock show, he's like, did you bring your fucking kids? Okay, good. Now we're going to really talk shit. <laughs> But it's just sad now that, you know, you can't be funny. You, well, you know? can't you can't be funny. You can't make fun of what is a daily operation of our society anymore. You know, that's that's where humor came from from a lot of these guys because they would talk situational comedy based on where they were you know, where they came from, how they grew up geographically, you know, point in time, whatever it was. And it was funny because it was life. Life sucks. The sooner we figure it out, you know, figure (laughs) out that it sucks. You gain some, you know, some equipment to maybe avoid a few of the potholes and pointing it out and making fun of, uh, of, of stuff that is occurring, has occurred, will occur is important you know you learn from it you laugh from it you move on fucking calm down it's a pressure release valve because if you take everything seriously all the time you're going to eat your fucking gun yeah yeah that's that's a great point and it's one of the reasons that blazing saddles was so funny and one of the reasons that that the edgiest comedy is so funny is because it's true points it points out the absurdity of the extremes yes whether it's the extreme this side or the extreme, it points out the absurdity of the extremes and it puts it, it, it sheds a light on it. And that's a, one of the reasons it's so funny and B one of the reasons that it's necessary for comedy to be unfiltered. Yeah, yep. no, absolutely. hundred yeah, percent. And, and it's sad that we couldn't have a modern day Mel Brooks where, you know, it's coming from a place of, comedy and satire and it's not coming from a place of actual racial religious um cultural bias it is i'm sorry go ahead no it it, it, we couldn't have that today and it's sad as shit i was gonna say i go even further you can't even do shakespeare no you can't i mean you know which was you know i would say venture to say the beginning of actual satire it is the Canterbury yeah. Tales. I mean, you start talking that now, and all of a sudden, you know, we'd be canceling. Well, not we; they would be canceling Shakespeare. Well, mm-hmm. if you think about what Shakespeare did, you know, you've got regicide, patricide, matricide. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes everything that can be negative and that is negative, particularly with society back in the in the fifteen, fourteen, and fifteen hundreds. And he makes light of it. And, you know, the only thing that saves him today is the language is too far above people to really understand what he's talking about. 
Oh yeah, because we don't teach that shit in school anymore. No. Oh, by the way, Greg, you're welcome. <laughs> although, although I did, I did have an English teacher that would point out the clever, cleverly worded dick jokes in Shakespeare. That's true. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I had one of those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. had twelfth grade. Um, we went through Shakespeare. I had an English teacher. Her name was Miss Bonds, and she is from Boston. That was Boston. my inter- that was my introductory to Boston. I mean, truly the Boston accent, if you will. Because everything was Boston, the car. Car. Yeah. Lost well, my khakis. <laughs> even in even in you know some of the more serious uh pieces from Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. He I mean there's one there's one part of uh of of Henry V where some of the soldiers are basically ragging on each other about their heritage and he's like oh are you you must be from you must be an irishman and they 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 are literally ragging on each other about their heritage mm-hmm. and in the end you know they they shake hands and they laugh and you know they they realize they they got bigger fish to fry than you know worrying about whether or not they don't like where somebody happened to be born so they make fun of it even in a even in a pretty pretty intense piece like Henry V. Well, yeah, and you know, Larry and I, and I think all of us, um, the three of us, and four of us even have touched upon this. You know, Larry and I, being the oldest, not that old, but even so, as you say, we have a generation of kids who have never been punched in the mouth. Yep. Yep. Or have had their feelings hurt, and go to mommy and daddy and say, "My feelings hurt," and dad looks at him and says, "So." Yeah, get over it. What are you going to do about that? You know, that's a whole. You know, being raised with the my pop would let you put a uh, put a penny in a light socket. Pow! That hurt like a son of a bitch, didn't it? Don't do that again. You know, being stupid or or being you know naive is supposed to hurt a little bit. Teaches you not to do that shit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember third grade, standing in line. This kid punches me. I go and tell the teacher. He hit me. She looked at me and says, hit him back. Walked over and decked him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it works. It teaches you a valuable lesson. You know, keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. But But we can't do that now. I was going to tell a real quick story. My um, youngest little girl, when she was in elementary school, I got called to the principal's office. And, you know, I I had a good relationship with her teachers and the principal. And I get there and there's this, these parents and this kid with a you know boy with a bloody nose and you know one of his eyes is black he looked like he'd been in a fight my little girl's in another room and she's in tears so i'm like uh what's going on so principal calls me in and tells me what happened basically what had happened was this boy was picking on her friend so my daughter said why don't you leave her alone so he went to slam her up against a wall she proceeded to use his momentum and slam his face into the wall. I had never been so proud. <laughs> My little girl's in tears, of course. So I asked her what happened and she tells me the same thing. And I asked her, I said, why are you crying? Because I'm going to get in trouble. I said, no, you're not. Not here. You're not. I said, you have nothing to worry about. She said, but they said they're going to suspend me. I said, Okay. We'll get your homework. You'll do that. But as far as I'm concerned, you're not in trouble with me. I said, who started it? Who touched who first? He did. Okay. And I taught my kids. 
You don't start a fight, but you damn well finish one. And I have two girls. I told them, I said, I don't care what you do. Pick up a chair, a rock, a stick, or whatever. Let nobody beat on you. Period. Yeah. You know, you do what you can. But now we're in this era of conflict resolution. You know, um, you know, you can't, you know, don't, you know, even if you get hit, don't, you know, don't hit them. We have to settle the conflict in a nonviolent way. I'm like, fuck that shit. Well, that would be fine if that was the if that was the only side of the coin. Right. The problem is we have that whole other side of the coin where that in, that same group of people thinks that there are absolutely no consequences to their to their actions. They can say or do anything, and then they're offended if if there's a reaction to that uh, negatively. You know, hey, hello, okay. I'm loud at everything I do, having a good time, having a bad time. You know, I'm there. And I had to, when, when Anthony and his his younger brother started racing, I had to kind of come up with a program to explain myself to people because I'm loud. If I say or do something that upsets, irritates, or offends you in front of a group of people. And I realize that I had to throw that caveat in there because I'm a moron and I don't always realize it, but if I've said something trying to be funny that offends you, I will absolutely apologize to you in the same format I offended you. I'm not going to wait until day after tomorrow and, and text message Matt and, or Garrett and go, hey, man, I'm sorry about that comment. If I said something and you took it as offensive, I will apologize to you in the same format I offended you. Now, there's a lot of people in our society still like that. However... The flip side of that is also true for me. If I've decided that I think you're a pile of shit and I tell you that in front of 15 people, I am prepared to defend that with whatever force you feel is necessary. That's what we've lost. You know, a lot of us walking the planet today feel that we have the right to do or say anything, which, I mean, ultimately we do, but what we've forgotten is exercising that right may have a negative consequence that we're not prepared for. I, you know, you tell me I'm a a pile of shit. I'm liable to knock your dick in the dirt. (laughs) That's, you know, I, but, but I can't say that I can't do that now. Oh my God. He was being aggressive. You just called me a fucking idiot in front of 30 people. What did you think was going to (laughs) happen? You know, I I was, Oh, okay. Thank you. B aggressive be be aggressive yeah that's well, just and like to bring back the you know the the parenting oh jesus I, I i've i've got i've got a story here so we started seeing some behavior stuff from my son at an early age and you know doing the counseling thing and find out that he's borderline autistic and you know um other stuff and um, we had this in-home therapist who was teaching us um, this technique to um, how to safely hold him to this chair when he was having these major tantrums where he would hit and destroy things and everything. So um, one day he was having one of these tantrums and I held him to this chair. Next day he goes to school and um we get a call from the school nurse saying that your son, we found bruises on your son's back. Well, 
that turned into a child protection. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I could see where this was going when you started. Oh, yeah. So it started this whole uh, child protection thing, and child protection then came in and told us how to parent. Mm. Here, here's, here's what they laid out. Um, we were also giving him hot sauce when he would say a bad word. Um, Old school. Yeah, shit like that. And so CPS came in and told us, you can't do that. You can't hold him to this chair because it clearly hurts him. You can't ground him because that is in-home imprisonment, which is illegal <laughs> in this county. Um, and told us all these things that we couldn't do to discipline our own child. And then we raised our hand and we're like, okay, what can we do? And they said, basically, not these things. Which the, what they really mean is nothing. Right. Jesus Christ. That's what they really mean. Yep. So in in today's day and age, if you have a troubled youth and CPS gets involved a little bit, it totally fucks up being able to appropriately discipline your child. And I mean, we weren't spankers um, because of where, you know, the world was. Um, but I was spanked and I learned my lessons, you know, um, we spanked our kids, but only up to a certain age, only up to, I don't, I don't think there was like a number we had set in stone, but it was, you know, it was probably around, it's common sense, nine or 10 years old. Yeah. But, but they really didn't, they, it, there were only a very tiny handful of instances with each of our three kids that we did spank them. And we were very clear with them. We said, we're, you're, you're only going to get a spanking in if for one particular thing. And that is if you're caught lying. Yep. Yep. You're going to get a spanking for that. And well, that always- was, that was the clear um, cure for like ADD when I was yeah. a kid, you know, mm-hmm. you were acting up being stupid, man. The, the, the cure was hearing that belt, your father's belt, yes. clear them belt loops. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, it's like, ooh. <laughs> yep. Man, you straighten right up. Yeah. Absolutely. And my dad did construction, so he had one of them heavy-duty oh, tool belts. Yes. Ooh, you didn't want yep. none of that. <laughs> yeah, I can still hear that damn leather neck. <laughs> when my dad would snap the belt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, man, that was like that was the equivalent of dragging the needle across a record, right? That got yes. everybody's attention. There was people yep. next door going, "Uh oh, Mr. Marlon upset." It, to, to be honest, I don't think you, very rarely you hit any of us with the belt at home because all you had to do was snap that belt. We're like, oh, "Yep," and every up, mm, we're, we're wrong. We're, we fucked up. We fucked up. We fucked up. Well, but it's you know, and these guys have heard me say before. There was a clear set of rules in my household. There, when I was a kid, there was a clear set of consequences, you know, punishments. If, mm-hmm. if you broke those rules and I was by no means a stellar child, you know, uh, you looked at, you know, you looked at what you potentially wanted to do that was outside of the rules and you looked at the rules, you looked at the consequences, you made a conscious decision of, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to try that. And sometimes you got caught. Sometimes you didn't. The difference is back then you got caught you stood up you took your lumps you raised your hand you know hey did you did you sneak out or did you stay out after curfew did you whatever yes and you took your punishment 
You didn't try to blame it on your friend or your little brother, or, you know, the cop that the cop that caught us, you know, drinking on the beach at four in the morning at, at Harbor Beach in Oceanside. That cop was an asshole and he didn't have the right to do that. Yeah, he did. He was doing his job. You didn't, you didn't, we didn't come off with some stupid bullshit like that because that means we were going to get a bigger beating with it. From, you know, I was more scared of my dad than anything else. You know, I was the guy they pushed out front to talk to the cops. Oh man, the cops are here. Let Larry talk to him, you know, because <laughs> if I could get past the cops, then I had, you know, I had a bigger worry because I had to explain to my dad why we were doing this shit. You know, cop was just some cat doing his job. My pop, he didn't give a shit. You know, he's like, did you do it? not supposed to do that right no you were wrong no matter what you know so well and at the same time there are you know it can go too far no absolutely uh, yeah, and like, i understand my, that's why you know we have cps and that's how, why we but we've we've delegated so much of the daily operation of our lives to, to other people to other entities that yeah. for them to come in and tell you that that you can't spank your child yeah is ridiculous well see the fuck out we, of my house we did we did we failed to differentiate between a spanking and a beating yep right correct that's the problem Abuse versus discipline yep right now see i i think i may have struck my children maybe once my oldest when she got mouthy and that was just an open hand smack upside the head was it gonna hurt yeah. anything because my problem was i'm a big guy and these are, you know, girls, these are little girls. So if I smack somebody, I can hurt them. So, you know, usually for me, it was like taking privileges away when they were little kids. Of course, you know, you speak in the language, they understand, smack their hand, shake their hand, sit them down somewhere, you know, but it got to a point <laughs> and maybe this is a good thing. And some people will disagree. My children were in fear of me to an extent my um, oldest told me once she was at school and she never swore up until about when she was 13. And her friends in elementary school used to tease her and say, say a bad word. And her thing was like, uh-uh, I'm not saying that. My daddy will get me. Mm. <laughs> so, well, hey, you know what that means? That means your parenting worked. Yeah, but here's the funny thing. When she started swearing in junior high, my stepsister, her daughter, um, went to the same school. And... My daughter didn't see us when my stepsister uh, was walking into the school and she heard this girl just sweat, just saying all sorts of profanity and it was my daughter. <laughs> so, you know, of course, I fight out about it. I didn't get mad or anything, but when she came for my weekend, I told her, I said, you know, you really shouldn't swear that much, you know? And she looked at me and says, how did you know? And I told her, I'm like a ninja. Do you know how many people I know? I said, you never I know spies where I am. everywhere, baby. Pretty much. I said, oh, I know your teachers. I know you. I know your friends' parents. Oh, no, no place is safe. <laughs> and she just, she was just wide eyed for like three days. She's just like, <gasps> it's like, I could jump out the bushes and say, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> oh, that was fun. <laughs> I should call her. <laughs> Does she need a hug? Oh yeah, and a trophy. No, no. You so so. We're in Vegas. Oh my! Six God. years ago, for uh, Big Smoke. Six years ago. Six eight years ago now. No, it's, been a while. it's 2018. Okay, we were in Vegas. So that many years ago, and That's we're horrible. sitting at the Davidoff Bar on the Strip smoking, and there's a group of. 
um, strippers and their handlers at the next table. Well, Scott's going, Scott's looking at this one, one lovingly. And we're all like, what the hell's going on here? And he goes, wait a minute. And he pulls up this picture on his, on her, his phone and shows it to us like, how the hell did you find her picture so fast? And he goes, well, this is my little girl. That's not my little girl. I just want to give her a hug. And I, I just remember that. Yep. Hilarious. Yeah. I was just like, I would go up to her and just say, can I just give you a hug and, you know, take you home? No, no, not in a sexual matter. Just so right. we go to the market, we'll fill up your refrigerator. Yeah. You know, how you doing on your bills? Are you Daddy doing okay? Your electric bill and we, you, we can get you out of this life. And of work, the right? hilarious part was this girl was a dead ringer for Scott's daughter. Wow. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of ruined that whole right experience. <laughs> I'm just going to sit the rest of the time in my hotel room. <laughs> Matt and I have talked about that as, you know, we've been traveling around and we see these. You saw Scott's young, daughter, too? <laughs> yeah, we've, seen Scott's daughter, we've seen our daughters. And and that's what we see now when we when we go out and we see these young girls. Um it's just so sad and your heart does break and i'm glad that i'm not the creepy old man you know yes hey don't sell yourself short brother (laughs) (laughs) you guys were pulling your pants up when we came to video (laughs) just saying and that was take three (laughs) that was take three take Take four you could have just left them down (laughs) Oh, well, if that, I can, that has uh, to get posted to a different website. Yeah. <laughs> Only fans. Only fans. Hey, um, I, I'm serious about that, man. We, we're doing an OnlyFans for the for the podcast. You know, honestly, though, this was very fortuitous, those screw-ups, because we got a lot of B-roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do have B-roll. a lot of B-roll. And oh, now yeah. that now that it's getting warmer out here, you know, we can, you know, I'm not gonna be in Levi's and I'll be in shorts and flip-flops. You know, we can do the like the the nasty toenail foot pictures, you know, that seems to be popular. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of relieved. I thought you were going oh, with beans and Franks. Wow. <laughs> well, I want to bring us back to The Godfather. Yes, 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 thank yes, you. yes please. <laughs> we are smoking the Padrino mm. by Amendola, which is uh, the newest release by Amendola uh, Family Cigars. And uh, for those who don't know, Padrino means godfather oh nice uh so jeffrey amendola and business partner chris um they are italian guys very proud italian guys uh there's an italian flag on each of their cigars if you can see that and this cigar is stupid it's really good (laughs) nice um and you know i would I think between this cigar and the other cigar that they released at the same time, Especial, Especiale, will, I'm just going to go out and say that one of these two, if not both of them, will end up on a list, on lists this year. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Right on. That's, uh, and you guys are, uh, are you guys carrying that in that local shop uh, that you, uh, a work it out occasionally be, and all that. Yeah, it should be arriving either today or Monday. Um, be the first shop in uh, in the Twin Cities area. Yep. There's a there's a shop in Chicago. There's a shop in Detroit. Um, 
that carries them. And then they're really big on the East Coast. Nice. So they're, they're working their way west. Oh, nice, nice. I like that. It, it would be interesting to try to get some of those. It kind of goes to what we were saying at breakfast. It might be the closest approximation we can get to. Well, okay. Another trip. A trivia question for me. Does anyone here, other than if you heard me say it at breakfast, does anyone here know uh, Don Vito's preferred cigar brand? Have a Tampa. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> well, it's not Swisher Grape. Is it? Um, hold on. Give, uh, so it's what the is, 40s and 50s. Well, but I'm also thinking. I'm also thinking Italy. Is it? Uh, what? What the hell is the name of that Italian cigar brand? Um. Damn it. That's not it. It's not it. Nope. I don't know. Granton, Pennsylvania, because I looked this up at breakfast. Denobly is his preferred cigar. Denobly. To which, quote, Tom Hagen wants him to switch because it's easier at that time to get Cubans. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, um, Cuban cigars were the the norm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was it for the most part. So I, I know, producer Greg, we are past an hour but i would like to no no we're final. going we're no, going go ahead. okay i don't want to i don't want to go off into a tangent no you're greg fine go for it when craig open when craig puts his key in that door is when we need to wrap it up okay so something additional to the godfather that has become a staple of mine in my circle of friends both for camping trips uh for my work i did at a scout camp there is a scene in the godfather where peter clemenza is cooking spaghetti Scott just lit up like a Christmas tree over there. Yep. So I know that one scene. day, one day I like to cook. Uh, I don't do it as much as I used to, uh, when I was living alone because just reasons, but I was scrolling through an article about foods from famous movies. I was looking for a recipe for something and I'm scrolling. I find the recipe I need and I'm like, oh, I wonder what else is on this list. And I see the Godfather. And I'm like, okay, someone had, backtracked and based on Clemenza's description of what he's doing, recreated the recipe for that sauce. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. Cause you know, basic white boy here sauce from a can is all I knew. Right. <laughs> you know, so I make the sauce. I'm like, eh, how good could it be? It was life changing to actually mm-hmm. make real spaghetti sauce mm-hmm. that didn't taste like basil, tomatoes, and ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is this is really really good. So I'm I worked five years as the rifle range shooting sports instructor for a summer camp. And at the end of one of the summers, I'm like, you know, I'll I'll cook dinner for the crew that's going to stay behind and clean up camp. So I make up this big pot of spaghetti, garlic bread, yada yada yada. The next year, everyone loved it. it was great. The next year, uh, we get to the last week of camp, and I've got five people in the course of day go. So hey, um, hey man, like they look like crackheads, just come up like. Hey man, um, so uh, that spaghetti sauce, man. Like, I have people like I I literally made so much extra that people were taking it home in like four gallon Ziploc bags. Like people are like, I'm putting this in my freezer. So I will at some point if we do ever do a potluck or something, you've got you've got your cue, you've got whatever mom makes for you to bring. Uh, oh damn! <laughs> let's be honest. Way to don't, throw him under the bus there. Let's be be don't give me the, don't suck your teeth at me. Be honest. So question. So while you were making it, did someone come up to you and say, where's Polly? 
Okay, you said. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're going to get this recipe so we can put it in the comments section I of both will, the podcast and the video. Well, if you watched a fucking here's, Godfather, you would have the recipe. Hang on. Here's how important this recipe is. It's saved permanently in the notes on my phone in case of emergencies. That's a good because man. Because with, with the math worked out to make a single batch, double batch, or a triple batch, it's that good. Okay, I just want to allude, as we're talking about The Godfather, and I'm, you know, it, this is one of the movies I kind of geek out on. Also, Godfather Part 2, where De Niro played a young Vito Corleone. That is still yeah. one of the coolest portrayals of a character I've ever seen. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. uh, um, the genius of Francis Ford Coppola, in one of the scenes where Connie is talking to Michael at their mother's funeral, and begs him to forgive Fredo. And at that point, after she speaks and, you know, tries to convince him to forgive him, he walks out to the living room. There is no dialogue in this scene, just music. And he walks up to Fredo, who's just despondent with his head down, puts his hand on his face, and they hug each other. And then you see Michael look at his bodyguard, Al Neary, with a look. Yep. And that's all it was, was a look. And then you see kind of the pain in Neary's face because Neary had been around, you know, from the, you know, the beginning when Michael came to power and you could just see this look where Neary did not want to do it, but he knew he had to. It's just kind of like, wow, you're cold. Yes, boss. There's, yeah. there's a part in the book that's not in the first movie that I kind of wish they kept in. And it's after after the door closes on Kay scene that the movie ends on. Yes. There's the end of the book is Kay goes away for a couple weeks and Tom has to convince her to come back. Yes. And Tom basically outs everything Michael did honestly to Kay. And he says, yeah, Carla had to be killed because he betrayed the family and Tessio had to be killed. And Barzini had to be killed because these people betrayed us and we might be able to forgive them, but they will never forgive themselves. And they will always be looking for a way to, get out from under that guilt. And that means getting out of the family. And the only way you get out of the family is you're killed or you kill us. Well, yeah, and that's a threat to you. That's a threat to your kids. That's a threat to me. And that's a threat to my kids. So Michael had to do it. And K and same with Fredo, Fredo, Fredo betrayed the family that can't, that shit cannot stand. Cause it's a threat to everything Michael cares about. And, and even I was talking to my mom about this. My mom has not read the book. She, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my mom's story. Cause it's, freaking hilarious she tried to read it in high school and she was reading it after like doing math in her class i'm going to tell the short version of the story and her teacher walks up like oh what are you reading and picks up the book and she's in the first few pages where it's vivid descriptions of sunny and the uh, the maid of honor at his uh lucy mancini lucy mancini vivid descriptions of fun times they're having and the teacher's like oh no 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 so my mom never got to read the godfather because she got the book confiscated in like eighth grade or something (laughs) so so i'm trying to convince her to read it because there's just so much more subtext which the movie the movie surprisingly does a lot of the subtext with like looks or the way a scene is shot which again francis ford coppola is a master at what he does yeah well there were a couple of deleted scenes from the godfather just where it revealed that waltz was a pedophile and that scene like you said with Kay, but there was also one with mama corleone when Kay went to visit when michael was in sicily on the run tom wouldn't take her letter saying that a jury could say he know i know no more yeah she's like forget about mikey 
go live your life. You're a nice girl. And basically warned her off. And, and Kay has a great line in the book. She knew in that moment, moment that everything that it had been said about Michael was true because he, she had been told by the most impeachable source, his own his mother. mother. Yeah. And then it mirrors the, I love the scene with Tom where she's like, oh, did Michael tell you to tell me all this? And Tom's like, you don't get it. If you <laughs> tell Michael what I just told, confided to you, I am a dead man. Yeah. You and the kids are the only people in this world he could not harm. Yeah. And that kind of sets it in stone for her. And I love that the book ends on she becomes a Catholic and just like Mama Corleone prays says for a prayer soul. for his soul every day because that's the only power she has in this. Exactly. But I think yeah. it was genius how they closed the Godfather. That scene right there with the final words when Clemenza actually gives him the respect because before he would never he call called him, him Mikey. Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. He, he and even even when he pleads because I just watched a movie last night and I picked up on it. I mean, I think I always did, but I was thinking about it more for today. You know, it's, you know, Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. And mm -hmm. when they, when Mike comes back from Vegas and saying, you guys got to wait, you can't make your own families. There's things happening. And they're kind of leading up to, oh, who's the person that's betraying? Is it, is it Tessio? Is it Tom? Is it Carlo again? Is it Fredo and uh, numb nuts in Vegas? Who's Mo Green? Yeah. They're kind of setting up and they set up Clemenza by making him go, hey, Don, they, they, he keeps calling him Mikey, but he turns to Vito and says, Don, Godfather, can you give us permission that Don's like, yeah. no, I'm not in charge anymore. Yeah, And, that and then ending, finally, yes. finally Clemenza goes, Don Corleone Don, or Godfather, but Don Michael. And it's like, Oh, Oh no. When, and that's when Kay realizes, yep, he is. Well, no, at the end, it was just the one phrase. It's like when, um, Neri, Peter, and then his replacement, Tessio's replacement. Uh, Rocco and, Lamponi. Yeah. Rocco Lamponi went up and Clemenza kissed his hand and said, Don Corleone. Yeah. And then when Neri closed the door and okay. Neri's facial and, expressions were always classic because as he was closing the door in okay, you could see Neri give a look like eh. <laughs> you're not part of this. You are, but you aren't. It was like regretful. It's like he's like he felt he was being rude, but it was something he had to do. So he just closes the door in on her and you know, she knows that she's shut off from that world. Hey man, push Greg so he doesn't Right, oh, so so yeah. then snoring over there. No, no, he's <laughs> blinking. Maybe that's what we need to do a movie night. We yeah, well, no, I offered. Okay, hold on. I offered last night. I said, Greg, come over to the house. I'm barbe I'm going to do like just a little quick barbecue. We can sit back on the balcony. We can watch The Godfather. And then Greg made a decision that really screwed that up. Mm-hmm. Greg had Panda Express for Chinese lunch. version of oh, Waffle House. <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? Mm. Again, he sits there and says, no, they're really good. I'm just like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> There's a perfectly good Chinese restaurant right by your house. That's down, not that's not next to the store, but anyway. So what? <laughs> Could have eaten some of your chili. Could have eaten some chicken tenders. Something. But no, you decided to go to Panda Express. <laughs> it was express right to the restroom. Wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's an understatement, <laughs> my friend. Express. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. As the great Al Pacino said in the movie Scarface, you fucked up, mate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's another thing that hurts my brain, that he is both Michael Corleone and Scarface because they're similar yeah. characters, but there's but also vastly different characters. Oh, it's absolutely. It's crazy that he plays both of them. Well, it's yeah. So well, also Donnie Brasco. Donnie. Yeah. yeah, he was in, uh, he was lefty in uh, Donnie Brasco. Yep. He was so good in that movie. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. As the downtrodden, you know, he's... He can just never, he never seems to get over the hump of, of, you know, uh, 
being being one of the top guys and he's always he's always uh you know one step behind so we're talking about you know some of the great um al pacino movies heat heat was badass i love the part where him and de niro are sitting across the table at the coffee shop yes that is just a masterful scene yeah you know basically it's like hey in another life we could have been friends but understand if it's between you and me getting away, I'm putting you down. Yeah. You know, what? and that's what happened. What's that? What's the actor that plays Sonny? I can't think of his name. That would be James Conn. James Conn. James Conn. So every once in a while, my mom and I have this thing where I'll point out an actor in a movie I really like, and she'll go, you know who else that person plays? And every time she does it, it mentally fucks me up. The first one she did it to is... I was that kid who watched Thomas Tank Engine when I was a kid, when I was little. Do, 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 do. I had hasn't wa- hold on hasn't watched Godfather, but you sure as fuck watched Thomas the Tank Engine. Pretty much, Are you surprised? <sighs> no, Anthony and I were watching Thomas the Tank Engine before he was cool. So you mean you weren't watching that two terabytes of porn? No. <laughs> so my mom broke. That's what it's named. <laughs> wow. So my your mom, mom broke my mental psyche when she told me because this is about when I was like fourteen, fifteen, and I had just discovered George Carlin, the comedian. She yeah. broke my my fragile psyche when she said, you know, that's Mr. Conductor, right? Because George Carlin, in the American version of the Shining Time yep. Station show, he played, yeah. was the con- conductor. And I go, bullshit. And I pull it up on YouTube. Oh, my God. I'm like, Mr. Conductor just said the seven words you can't say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got one that'll really fuck you and up. There's a really great YouTube edit of him as Mr. Conductor and someone lip dubs. Shit, piss. Yes. Oh no, I got one that'll really fuck you guys up. Do you guys know who Lawrence Fishburne is? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Guess what he did? He did a yes. television show. Yep. Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's right. Really? Yes. Yep. He was he was cowboy uh cowboy something. Yeah, he was yep. cowboy something. That's what fucked me up. I saw that, I was like, holy shit, that's Morpheus. Yeah. Morpheus <laughs> is goofy as shit. On Pee Wee's Playhouse. (laughs) The reason I brought up James Conn is the other one that made me go, no, that fucking isn't. And I had to like literally look it up and have it proven to be on on Wikipedia. James Conn is Sonny. He's also, for those of you that have seen the Will Ferrell movie Elf, he's Buddy the Elf's dad. And that breaks, that hurts me. That like, (laughs) what? (laughs) You ever touch my sister again? I'll fucking kill you. I'm like, um, okay, I guess that makes sense. Did you watch Elfin do this number? What his wife did in, uh, at the wedding? Go. I've, <laughs> I have a, <laughs> yeah. no, I have a. What are you laughing for? You have no clue what that is. No, my theory, my theory is Sonny's death was staged and he went into witness protection. <laughs> Oh, no. became a children's book writer. That's Let me tell you awesome. something. That's highly unlikely. Judging from that scene, he got lit up with Tommy guns. That's the oh, most yeah. Ex- he got he caught yeah. all of the bullets. And That's- kicked in the face. That's what makes it so bad. Coup de grab and then kick him in the fucking face. Yeah. That was the most expensive scene to shoot in that movie, by the way. Really? $100,000, is, which is a lot of money back in 1970 because of all the squibs. And, oh, you only, yeah. You get, if you screw it up. That's another 500 squibs you got to put on oh, yeah. James uh, James Conn and new suit and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. Well, when you were talking about um, making spaghetti earlier, I immediately thought of Elf, and I just pictured you <laughs> handing out bags of spaghetti. 
Like yeah, no, no spaghetti with no skittles syrup. in this spaghetti. Unfortunately, <laughs> although I will say I, I very rarely have time to let the sauce go as long as it should. So I, I, I have not made a batch of this sauce without having to add at least some little bit of sugar to cut the acidity, acidity. of the tomato because you're supposed to let it stew so long that it cooks yep. off that. Uh oh, door. Stop uh, screwing around. I got more important for things for you to do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Well, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, how's those cigars smoking, guys? Hey, this is always a uh, always a fan favorite right here, ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. I think you're through with your cigar, Greg. I, I, ended, my, it, I got it to where I couldn't hold on to it anymore, and I was burning my lips. You know, Boulevard, whether it be a Cuban or, in this case, a non-Cuban, it's one of those brands that has stand, stood the test of time. It's a great stick, and it, it, this was really a beautiful cigar. It's one that... That now I'm going to have to look up and, and see if I can get on a cigar bit adventure on that one. How about you, Anthony? It, always, always a good. The Esteban Carrera is always fantastic. I will give up a little bit of my cigar talk time to say, read the book. If you don't like reading, get the audible version that's narrated by um, Joe Man- Mantega. Mantegna. Mantegna. I don't. Thank you. <laughs> Corinthian leather. Um, <laughs> it's excellent. And they just did the 50th anniversary version where they have a forward by Francis Ford Coppola um mario puzo's son uh anthony puzo and uh robert j thompson is the professor that kind of talks about the the cultural impact so highly recommend they, they do a great job with the narration and it's a little easier to follow because it kind of bounces timelines and perspectives a lot yeah this damaso is awesome it's kind of a hefty price point for what it is but it's still it's a padrone of course so you can't go wrong guys how are those um, smokes doing for you Oh, fantastic. Stupid. This, the Amendola Padrino is, um, it's, it's one of those Maduros that that's got a ton of that natural sweetness to it. Oh, um, you're, where you're speaking even, my even the retro hail is nice and smooth. It's really good cigar. Oh, uh, very nice. Well, then, you know, before, before you yeah. wind this up, Scott, uh, I just want to tell our listeners, because if you're not following Matt and Garrett on their various social medias, I think you really think you should Matt and Garrett broadcast live, Monday nights, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's really late for them. Um, get on, take a listen. I know Scott and I jump on periodically um, when I'm not busy on a Monday night and watch their broadcast. They have a great show. There's HowAboutThatCigar.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Y'all really need to follow them and check them out and give them a listen because, uh, you know, I don't know if I speak for you two, but, you know, I've looked at their podcast and... You two really are my mentors in, in how we go about our podcast. So, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time to come and join us. Thank you, oh, brother. Yeah, that, that means, means a lot. lot. That means a ton. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that sentiment. I was actually going to allow them to do a shameless plug, but you did it for them. So, uh, yeah. No, I. <laughs> Wait, we're hosting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's good. But, um, gentlemen, as our guests, final thoughts today? Uh, final thoughts. We had a blast talking to you guys uh and and talking the godfather is always always fun i'm excited for this movie coming out soon called the offer uh where they uh, it's basically a dramatization of what francis ford coppola and the team had to go through to make this movie so it's got miles miles teller and some other big big uh young hollywood people that it looks it looks like an absolute blast i can't wait to see that movie in the theaters and and you guys you guys on on beyond the humidor keep up the good work we're, we're excited yeah. for what you've been doing and um are very grateful 
to be on the show with you today. Hey, we appreciate yeah, like, you, man. Yes, thank you likewise, so much. I'm going to echo. I have just, you know, really enjoyed getting to know you guys more and more. We when we, you know, hang out on, you know, just a video or whatever, we have a blast. The organic conversations that we have are are just fun. Hey. And um, I love this format where we can talk a little bit of cigars, life, movies. It's it's a it's a blast. I, love I got it. an idea. Can't make it happen this year. I think there's not enough time because it's in the. I think it's the last weekend of April. Every year, it's called Smoke Lahoma. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> his eyes <laughs> they're like dinner plates <laughs> you have to go just based on the brand apparently they do a cigar festival in oklahoma called smoke Oklahoma. Uh-huh. look it up is it a musical <laughs> is it a musical <laughs> comes with its own wagon <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that's that can be a destination point man both podcasts get together for a live event yeah Oh my! That could be. I would. You guys relax. Wow. These are my people, man. And I got it. We got <laughs> enough mics to put five of us on. We're good. Got enough flags? What mics? Oh, I thought you said flags. Mm. Like, What's he talking about? Smoke, Oklahoma, where the ash comes sweeping down the plain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> Once again, camera gorilla has earned his title. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Well, looks like the smoke's coming down to the nub, and my scotch glass is definitely empty. Oh, yeah. Now it is. So now I think it's about that time. Hey, on behalf of everybody, including our guests from How About That Cigar, Matt Ty and Garrett Robinson, um, Dime Store Lex Luthor, and Ron White's opening act. Hey, if we all get together and you and him, Matt don't wear shirts and say the Robinson brothers, you don't have a hair on your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Camera Gorilla. Hey, thank you for listening. Um, check us out at LumisCigarCartel.com. Like and share us on Facebook. Check us out on all podcast mediums because like me, as I told my daughter, I'm like a ninja and I'm everywhere. I'm Scott Robinson, and on behalf of all of us here at Beyond the Humidor, we look forward to chatting with you on the next episode. But until then, stay healthy and safe, good smoke, and good drink, and good life. <laughs>